You know, most of the time, um, to me, it's difficult to comprehend grace. It's difficult to comprehend grace because when I think about grace, I can give you a biblical definition of grace because I can take it from a theological standpoint. I uh, can give you an explanation of grace because I understand it intellectually. I can sing songs about grace, but I'm fully persuaded that there is a big difference between knowing about grace and grace changing your life. So this morning, I want to ask you uh, two questions. I want to ask you a question, and there are two scenarios or choices to the question. And uh, since we have come off of this last week of giving thanks, I want to ask you this question. Are you more likely to be grateful if you are given more than you deserve? Or are you more likely to be grateful if you are given less than you earned? Let me say that again. Are you most grateful when you are given more than you deserve? Or are you more grateful when you are given less than you earned? So I need to, uh, I was going to pose that rhetorically, but I just need to, to hear some conversation today. If you're here and you are more grateful if you receive less than you earn, would you shout, uh-huh? Okay. If you are here today and you are more grateful when you receive more than you deserve, would you shout, uh-huh? Now, so what we have from a majority perspective, have determined that receiving more than what we deserve is what causes us to be more grateful. Therefore, our gratitude does not come out of the work that we've done, but our greatest gratitude comes out of the grace that we have received. And Paul says it like this in the book of Romans eleven six, and he says it like this. He says, and if grace, if by grace then it cannot be based on what? It cannot be based on works. For if it were, grace would no longer be grace. So Paul is saying that grace then is getting something good to you that you have not earned or deserved. And so when you receive something that is beyond what you deserve, the Bible calls that Grace. And, and this grace thing is, is so powerful because God tells us that there, there's a reason why this grace is in the earth. He says that it's for your benefit. <laughs> because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, he says it like this. He says, for your benefit that this grace that I've placed into the earth champions. Let's read that together. Like we know, it is the word of his power. Now... And all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more, more and more what? Glory. And so notice this. The Bible says that as the grace, as more and more people receive what they do not deserve, then God's glory or more and more people out of their thanksgiving will give more and more glory to God. And so notice this, that the Bible says that 
The glory of God shall cover the earth like the waters covers the sea. What's one way? When people experience grace. And so grace must be what? Received, but also grace must be what? Given. And so giving thanks is a response to grace, the Bible says. When you're grateful, it is a response that you have received more than you deserve. Look at this. this is, I think it's really interesting because when, when, when I was, over the last 10 days or so, I have been just overwhelmed by the grace of God and, and also the grace that I've received from you. And I, and I have been at periods of time, but somehow over the last couple of weeks, it's hit me in a way because as one of the leaders of the church, I have not always made the best decision as a leader. But yet, you allow me to use my gifting. Yet, you allow me to speak into your life. Yet, you allow me to speak into your family. And yet, you give me words of encouragement. You give me cards. You give me um, gifts on special days of my life. And do you know what? As I began to, over the last 10 days to two weeks... I recognize that every card that Gwen and I have received since we've been a part of the church, we still have today. And over the last two weeks, 10 days to two weeks, I've been reading some of those cards that I've received this year, the last couple of months, the last several years. And I have been so humbled and so overwhelmed by your grace. Why? is because I've recognized that I have received more from you than I deserve, and I've received more from God than I deserve. And you know what? It just overwhelms me, and it causes me to come to a place where I recognize that there's a grace that has been extended toward me, and I am so grateful. But you know what? As I begin to think about that also, that grace that we receive should actually change us. Grace should change you. Would you say that with me? Grace, Grace should change me. Change Come on, would you say that one more time? You're, like, you're saying it like, I don't want it to. <laughs> would you say, Grace, Grace can change me? Grace. Come on, say it one more time. Grace, Grace should change me. Change now, let's take a look at this because the Bible tells us that grace should have an effect on your life, that you should not experience grace and not be affected by it. And so in the, in the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul writes <laughs> in an interesting way. And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Champions, let's read that together now. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. Mm. So Paul says it like this. He says that, but by the grace of God, I am <laughs> what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, Paul is saying in, in verse nine, if you read that, he says that I am the least of the apostles and I don't really deserve to be called an apostle because of my past. But he says that, but what I did before grace, 
made me unworthy. But what I have done after grace has made me worthy. And so this particular word, but, the word but, it introduces a radical change that the person Paul was without grace, comparing it to the person that Paul has become with grace. And so he says that although I worked more than all the other apostles, <laughs> it's not the work that I've done that have made me worthy, but it is the grace that God has given me that has made me what I am. And so, you know, what? one of the things that all of us should recognize is that God has given us a gift to change our lives. God has given us a gift. That gift is called grace. And he's given us a gift. And the purpose of the gift that he has given us is to change our lives. Would you repeat after me? I declare God has given me a gift. And this gift has been given to me to change my life. Okay. So let's take a look at a grace story this morning. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Philemon, the book of Philemon. And when you're looking... Uh, for the book of Philemon, your pages may stick together. So it is before the book of Hebrews, 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 the book of Philemon. And we're going to begin to read it out of the New King James Version because we're going to read the entire book of Philemon. So when you get to your, uh, in your Bible, the book of Philemon, would you say, uh-huh. Are you there? No, oh Lord Jesus. If you're in the book of Philemon, would you shout, uh-huh? Uh -huh. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory. So the book of Philemon is an interesting book because uh, this particular book, it is the only book in the Bible that's written to an individual. Uh, the other books that Paul wrote, he wrote these books, they were written for the benefit of the church. And this, uh, the book of Philemon is a personal letter that has been written by Paul to uh, a man by the name of Philemon on behalf of a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. And so what happens here is that Paul started a, the church at Ephesus. The Bible says that he started it in the school of Tyrannius. He started the church of Ephesus and Philemon was a wealthy businessman who traveled to Ephesus. Ephesus. He heard Paul preaching and he got saved under the preaching of Paul. Philemon then now goes back to the city of Colossia where he lives and he starts a church in his house. Archippus is the pastor of that church. And so Paul now, he is writing this letter and he writes this letter on behalf of Onesimus and Onesimus has been around the gospel but Onesimus he, he has heard about salvation, but he wasn't free. And so what he does is that he must have stolen from his master household, and he took the, a trip from the city of Colossia to the uh, city of Rome. It, it, it was about 1,280 miles that he had to travel. Uh, and, and, and so when he gets to Rome, he hears a man by the name of Paul preaching. Paul is in chains, but he is attracted to this man's teaching. You know, it's interesting that the physical chains that Paul was in, 
that although he was in chains, he was still free. I mean, Onesimus could see that although he was bound, he wasn't bound. And he was drawn to Paul simply because there were chains in his own life that could not be seen. But he saw this man who was so free and he was ministering in his chains. And Onesimus was attracted to Paul. So as he hears uh, the gospel, Onesimus gets saved under Paul's teaching. He begins to help Paul in ministry. He becomes a great helps minister to Paul. And then one day, a man by the name of Epaphras, he travels from the city of Colossia to Rome. And church service is going on. And he looks and he sees Onesimus because he knows Philemon. And when he sees Onesimus, Paul, do you recognize that there's a man in your midst named Onesimus? And Paul, yes, I, I know he's a great uh, minister of helps. He helps me in my ministry as I'm aging. He's been a tremendous blessing to me. <laughs> uh, but, but Paul, do you understand that he is a runaway slave from Philemon's household. Paul has to make a decision. As he calls Onesimus in, Onesimus, are you a runaway slave? Onesimus acknowledges that. See, because if no one knew him, he wouldn't have had to say anything. And this story is in the book of Colossia and in the book of Philemon. And as he tells him, Paul's struggling because he needs him to stay with him and help him in ministry. But he'd rather focus on the gospel than his own comfort. And he asks, he tells Onesimus, he says, Onesimus, what I need you to do is I need you to go back to Philemon and I need you to ask Philemon for forgiveness. Now Onesimus knows, he says, wait a minute, Paul, I don't think you understand. If I go back to Philemon, he can do one of three things. He can uh, kill me as a runaway slave. He could beat me till I'm near death or he can brand me in my forehead and everyone that sees me will know for the rest of my life that I'm a runaway slave. And Paul, I, I just don't know if you understand what, what you're asking me to do. And he says, Onesimus, the grace that has saved you is the grace that can sustain you. And he says, but I'm not gonna send you back empty-handed. And so he sends with him a man by the name of Tychicus. Tychicus and Onesimus, and he gives them two letters, one letter to the church at Colossia, and one is a personal letter to Philemon. And can you see this? Can you imagine? As Paul tells him to go back to see Philemon, can you imagine? How many of you know that uh, Onesimus' prayer life really increased? <laughs> oh, Lord God, touch the heart of Philemon. Oh, Lord, I need you to help me. I mean, he had, he had like a deacon, deacon kind of devotion. I mean, he was like, but, but you can see that he was, his faith life had to increase all the way there. Now, so Paul gives them these two, gives he and Tychicus these two letters for the church of Colossia and also for a personal letter 
to Philemon. And that's the book of Philemon. Are you in Philemon? Say, uh-huh. Amen. So notice this. Let's read. I'm going to read it. You listen. You take notes. And let's see exactly what the Spirit of God is saying. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, my brother, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. Isn't it wonderful that Paul does not call himself a prisoner of Nero? He doesn't call himself a prisoner of the government. He doesn't call himself a prisoner of Rome. You know, in other parts, Paul calls himself a bond servant. And a bond servant is someone who is, is a servant to a master. They're free to go, but they chosen on their own free will to stay and serve their master. So as you read in Paul's letters, he calls himself many times a bond servant. And so he says that a prisoner of Jesus Christ to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and your faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And Paul's saying that every time that I think about you, I thank God for you. I hear so much about your love toward the saints. I hear so much about your love toward Jesus Christ. And he says that uh, the sharing of your faith may be effective by acknowledging the good that is in you that is also in Christ Jesus. And then he gets down, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, my brother. And so Paul is, 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 is telling him that there's so many lives that you've impacted, so much grace that you've shared, so much love that you've shared, and it has changed the life of so many people. Their, their, their lives have been refreshed. They, they have been restored. Now notice this. Then he gets into this letter. Verse 4. Or verse 8, rather. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, I, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you being such a one as Paul the aged and now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So Paul says that, look, based on my position as an apostle, I can command you to do what I'm about to ask you to do. But I don't want to throw around my authority. Rather, I'll make a personal appeal to you and ask you to do this out of love and out of grace. And so he says that, so I'm not going to put my authority on you. I'm asking you to do this simply for love's sake. Now, can you imagine this? When, when, when Onesimus and Tychicus gets to the door and they knock, who is it? It's Onesimus, Tychicus. Onesimus, letter from your brother, Apostle Paul. Can you imagine what he experienced at that moment not really knowing? He knew the letter, but he did not know what might happen. 
through his life. And so, as, 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 and, and during that time, they read stuff aloud. It wasn't that uh, uh, Philemon was sitting here and reading it silent. He's reading it out and others are hearing it. So notice this, verse 10. Are you there? Shout out, huh? He says, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So I am sending him back. You therefore receive him that is my own heart. And so Paul is saying that, look, there was a time when he was no value to you at all. He was unprofitable to you, but that was before grace. But he has gotten saved in ministry. And now he is after grace. So he is profitable not only to you, but he's also profitable to me. And so what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you as I send him back to receive him because that's what's in my heart. Verse 13, when I wish to keep with me that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Paul says that, look, you should have been here ministering with me, but he came and ministered with me. And, and, and so on your behalf, he's here. And so what I'm doing is I'm sending him back. But he's been ministering to me while I was in my chains. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntarily. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He's Paul says, you know what? I wanted to really keep him here for myself, but I would not do it without your consent, particularly when I found out the situation. And so I am sending him back, but I want you to do something not out of compulsion, but I want you to do it out of that you're voluntarily doing this. I don't want you to do it because you feel the pressure of my authority, but I want you to do it because of the compassion in your heart. And he tells him this and he says that, but, but he departed from you perhaps for a while that you might receive him forever. But in a different way, not as a slave, but you might receive him as a what? A brother. Verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him. Look at this. As you would me. Paul says that, look, if you value the relationship that we've had all these years, I want you to receive him as you would receive me. Now, now, how many of you know that if Paul came to Philemon's house, Philemon would fix the best room for him. He, he, would, he, would, he would have like thousand count sheets on his bed. Okay, so notice this. So he prepared the best meals. He prepared, uh, he treated him so well. And so Paul says, look, what I want you to do is I want you to receive him as you would me. Now, now, can you imagine someone that comes to your house and they, 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 they would come and, and you really highly esteem them. You'd really be a great host to them. That you'd clean the room before you would uh, 
make sure that they had what was necessary to eat. You would really be hospitable toward them. Now, that's totally different than what one would do to a slave. But yet Paul is saying, look, I want you to treat him and receive him like you would. Notice this, verse 18. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? If, if there's any debt that he owes, I'll pay it. If he's done anything wrong, I'll, I'll wipe his slate clean. 19. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I want you to know that I didn't dictate this. That, 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 that Donissimus didn't write this saying that it was me who wrote it. Look, I'm writing this with my own hand while I'm in chains. And he says that I'm writing this with my own, own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Paul this dude is this dude is something else. He says, look, you owe me so much. But yet I want you to know that it's not about what you owe me. It's about how I'm going to pay you for what he owes you if you're forgiven. Yes, brother, verse 20. Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord, having confidence in your obedience. <laughs> I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. And Paul says, and look, I'm confident that you're going to do what I'm asking you to do out of love. I'm confident that not only are you going to do what I'm asking you to do out of love, but you're going to do what I'm asking you to do even more than what I'm asking you to do simply because of love. And you're going to do it not based on what he deserves, but you're going to do it based on grace. And Paul tells him that. And, and I love this next verse and because he says, but meanwhile, I also prepare, meanwhile, also prepare a what? A guest room for me. For I trust that your prayers, with your prayers, that I shall be granted to you. Paul says, look, I, I'm confident to know that you're going to do what I'm asking you to do. But prepare a room for me because I'm coming to see how this thing turns out. Isn't that wonderful? That he didn't just write a letter and say, you know what? Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. He says, I want to follow this thing through all the way. And he tells, he tells Philemon, he says, man, make a, get a room ready for me because I'm coming to see how this thing turns out. But no pressure. I'm not trying to put uh, my authority on you. I want you to do it out of your own personal appeal and love that you have for Christ. Now he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, greets you. As do Mark, Aristarchus. Demas, Luke, my fellow workers or laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Would you say amen? amen. Now, I love, this. I love the book of Philemon. I love that Paul would stand up for a, a man who's done wrong in his past, who has perhaps stolen from his master, taking a trip I love that Paul wouldn't just leave it there but he would just write back and say look 
I want you to treat him like you treat me. But you know what? I was bothered by this particular story. And the reason I was bothered, because it doesn't tell us how it ended. I mean, I wanted to know, look, did, the, did, did, did he get beaten near death? I wanted to know, what, did, did, did Philemon and his people kill him? Did he get branded so now he's walking around as a mark of a runaway slave? I wanted to know exactly what happened to him. And do you know what? You know, so I just kept looking. I just kept looking. I just kept looking. And you know what I found? I found a letter by Ignatius of Antioch. Letter was written in the second generation, a second century. And do you know what Ignatius of Antioch? He was the pastor of the church at Antioch that the Bible talks about in the book of Acts, which is the church that sent Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary trip. Antioch is the church that later would send Paul and Silas on their missionary trip. And the, and the church at Antioch was the church where they were first called Christians. And Ignatius is the pastor of that church. And in the second century, he wrote seven letters to the church of Asia Minor. And in one of those letters to the church at Ephesus, he says these words. He says that I have received your whole congregation in the person of the great Bishop Onesimus, the man who was a slave to the one who was who was who was who was born in the reborn in the church of Ephesus. He is now leading the entire church. Why? Because. There's something about grace. You know you've received grace. How? Because you're willing to give grace. Because grace will change you. And so today, as I began to pray about this, the Spirit of God shared with me that there were three areas that will touch every person that is here this morning. One. You may be here this morning and you are, I want to issue you a challenge that you're, the, you're, you're like Paul. That what God, I want to challenge you to put your relationship on the line. I want to challenge you to orchestrate a reconciliation between two people you knew were close, but now they seem like they're strangers. Just as Paul did. Paul put his relationship on the line. He put his reputation on the line. He put his character on the line to restore a relationship to cause it to become better than it ever was. And God wants to use you to help two people or more be reconciled to one another. If you hear you're Paul, God's asking you to put that relationship on the line. The second, if you're here and you're Philemon and someone has wronged you, the Bible tells us that God desires that you with humility and grace forgive them. It says that as you carry it around, that what will happen is that you will continue to be burdened by the sins of someone else. And because of pride, it's so difficult naturally to forgive others, but there are people that are still being controlled by somebody that did something to them years ago. They're buried in the ground, but they're still controlling the life of the person that's living simply because they haven't released it. And the third, if you're an Onesimus here today, 
you've done wrong, you've been running from your past, the word of God calls you to face your fears. And I want to encourage you, don't underestimate the power of God's forgiveness. And do not put limits on what you can become. Because the person you were before grace is a different person that you become with grace. And so this morning, God desires the grace that you've received to be so grateful for that you're willing to give it away to someone else. And what happens is that Thanksgiving happens. Thanksgiving happens. And as people are thankful that they've received something that they did not deserve, then they begin to give more and more glory to God. And the Bible says, as Paul mentioned, that this grace is not without effect. It will change your life. And it's not something you work for. It's just something you receive. And as you have received it, you give it away. And you know what? You'll be so free if you give what you've already received and watch and see the glory of God spread throughout our community at our world simply because there are others that have received that grace.